If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Just like that, the second hour is here. How am I with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network? And uh, what, coming up in 20 minutes? Yeah, Michael McHenry joins us. MLB analyst, a lot to dive into as uh, we get into postseason play, all the races. Can't wait. Plus the uh, MVP races. We'll get Michael's uh, take on all of that. And uh, just ahead, how the NFL always wins and plenty of headlines, including the Broncos and uh, the NFL expanding uh, internationally. Let me give you a quick tease as to what's going to happen in the MVP race Mm -hmm. in the National League. Mookie Betts is going to win, and he absolutely should not. That's what's going to happen, though. We'll, we'll talk to we'll yeah, talk to get your Michael theory on McHenry that and why, it. but it's hard. Well, maybe it's for the rule change. Well, again, well, I I know the the rule change and all that, but I mean there I is there is one man in the history of the game that can claim the statistics that Ronald Acuna Jr. can claim this year. He is the only member in a club of home runs and stolen bases that has never been done, and even with the rule change, no other player did it this year. He should be the MVP. But he won't because the Dodgers are a bigger deal than the Braves. That's my that's my guess. Chet, um, not a big deal right now, the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, a week or so ago, I, I mentioned whenever Minnesota was reeling, 0-2, now 0-3 against the Chargers. Just threw out there like, hey, if you're looking for that one big quarterback trade, the guy that we know is not going to be where he is currently a year from now. It's Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. How do we know that? Well, the money allocated to Hawkinson, for instance, at tight end, and the money that is going to break the bank for Justin Jefferson, and they're going all in there as they should. They've, they've got plenty of options around their quarterback who is making a lot of money and it was on the final year of that contract. Here's the thing that they have to contemplate. What's the record needed to where they sell their veteran QB, who's been very steady and good last year, 11-0 in one-score games. This year, 0-3. 0-4 if you go back to last year for the playoff loss that the Vikings suffered after what was a very strong season. At 0-3... They're not necessarily out of it, and here's why. They look at their division, but also the fact that they have lost those three games by a combined 13 points. Again, they're not winning those close, tight window ball games like they were a year ago. Their upcoming schedule features the Panthers, then the Chiefs, the Bears, the 49ers, and the Packers. That is, that's their stretch before the NFL trade deadline of October 31st. Uh, Halloween is at, at 4 p.m. Eastern is the trade deadline. Chet, by that time, the most logical team that would be in the hunt for him, in the market, would be the Jets. 
They've already admitted that they're a quarterback away this offseason when they brought in Aaron Rodgers. They would inherit a contract where Cousins is going away on a free agent deal after this year. And they're bringing back Aaron Rodgers to try to run it back, hopefully next year more than four snaps, uh, which is all that lasted this year. But by the trade deadline, the Jets are probably out of it based on the fact that Zach Wilson's their quarterback and Robert Sala refuses to acknowledge that there, anyone else could be better. He, they're moving forward with him as their number one guy. So I don't know if the timetable necessarily works out for the Jets in order for the Vikings to determine when to mail it in, when to say, we're moving on. Nate Sudfeld, I believe, is there as one of the backup options there. That would throw in the flag. 0-3 is too early to do that. 0-4 to the Panthers. Uh, another loss to the Chiefs. Who knows what's happening with Chicago in the division. Then they're facing San Francisco. It could be really bad, but their upcoming schedule also features some winnable matchups. We named them. The Panthers, the Bears, and then you get the Packers right before the trade deadline. Is Cousins on the market? Will there be other injuries at the position? Yes. That makes the most logical sense for them to ship Cousins if they're out of it by the deadline. But the way the NFL is stacking up right now and in that division, 0-3, while there's only been six teams since 1979 to reach the postseason after starting a season 0-3, the extra game and the extra team in the postseason gives the Vikings hope, especially in the NFC, where they have some options to go on a run. But they may be out of those options by the deadline. And the Jets may be too. Because by then, they're just waiting on 2024 instead of 23. If there's another team involved, Cousins is out in Minnesota. But I think it's, it's later than the expectation would be if they start 0-4. Day to the trade deadline again, Hutton? Halloween, thir the 31st. So... The, the issue with the Jets being that trade partner, here's their schedule from now until Halloween. KC mm -hmm. this week at Denver. That could be a win. Philly at home. Then they get a bye, which is advantageous, at the Giants after that. And then it would be the trade deadline. Now, I could see them beating Denver and the Giants but, but, but with their defense. But those two, but keep in mind, the Jets are in a division with Buffalo and Miami. Right. So by by the 31st, those two teams could stack wins just because of how great they are. And they, yeah. they would be where the Jets thought they would be compared to where they are with Zach Wilson at QB. But they, you know, in that scenario, they could be three and four, I guess. That's probably on the high end right now yeah. at one and two uh, to get to three and four with those. And their if defense they, if they is were good to enough to steal the some wins they did last year. Yeah. They did last year. But I, I, I don't know if, if – to me, Cousins is the most logical addition. I think if you were to do it, I mean, it's each week the price gets lower and lower. Yeah, well, but – The but, asking but price. Like he, if you did it now, the Jets could be saying, we still are in this. But you're also assuming – We that stole that one win to start the season. We to, could do it with Kirk Cousins. If you want to make that move, the Jets want to do it sooner rather than later because yes. it's going to be an acclamation for him too. Getting right. there and just getting up to speed, couple of weeks, and then you actually find some But it some would rapport. take the Vikings admitting we're well, not going to be any good this year. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. they're going to do that but, right now. But they also, I mean, just based on their financial structure, they're admitting that Cousins isn't back because they're going through the free agent market on a low deal uh, where they kick the can down the road on the salary cap hits or 
they go draft one of the two. And they could go draft by trading Cousins and starting, you know, one of their backup options. I, that's my anticipation, but I just don't think it's going to happen at 0-4 if they lose this week. I, I think it's more than likely they're, they're shipping him at the deadline uh, just because they're, they're losing games, but it's not like they're getting boat raced the way Chicago is. Yeah. Hun, let me give you a trade that I think the NFL would love to see happen. Usher for Taylor Swift for a halftime show. Yeah. Because on Sunday, what, what, which is a very big deal for the league and they, for America. They tried to go after Taylor Swift before us. Yeah. They announced that the Apple Music, I think it's produced by Apple Music, the Apple Music halftime show will be Usher. Now, I'm, I'm a fan of Usher. Great performer. Great entertainer. Certainly has some hits. I think he's going to do a fine job with the halftime show. But that announcement was mostly met with a thud. On Sunday, not a ton of excitement. I think people were more excited about the boy band reunion than they were Usher. But here's why the NFL always wins. Even when you look at it and say, not a ton of excitement around this, something always falls into their lap that gets them the attention that they want or gets them the W that they always crave. And that something was Taylor Swift. So on a day that Usher was announced as the Super Bowl halftime performer and no one really cared, All of America tuned in to a Chiefs blowout over the Chicago Bears because another pop star was in the suite standing next to Travis Kelsey's mother, Donna Kelsey. The NFL always wins. When one pop star doesn't get the job done for them, another pop star steps in and does it. It is amazing how a league that is rumored to be scripted because it always seems to be perfect for them always has another little bit of evidence that looks like the story is scripted. Great win for the NFL that now Taylor Swift, global icon, is somehow associated with the league in this way. And I'm sure the NFL would love to see Taylor Swift perform at the halftime, but even on a day where they announce someone that doesn't generate a ton of excitement or buzz, they still get the benefit of Taylor Swift on that same day. Yeah, really their only loss, though, is not having Taylor Swift perform the halftime show. Uh, because she would she wouldn't do it for the longest time because it was the Pepsi halftime show and she yep. was with Coke, and uh, now there's you know there's an option to to get her there. I don't know if she's got the you know the uh, debate going with Apple Music or not. Who knows? Um, the most watched halftime show performance is Rihanna at uh, roughly 122 million viewers peak. She uh, Taylor Swift would crush that. Oh, yeah. uh, and and if you, it's Rihanna. Um, Katy Perry is up there from her 2015 Super Bowl halftime show. Um, Lady Gaga and uh, Coldplay is in the top five for the most watched. They wouldn't hold a flame to the numbers. And that's evident just based on the, the icon status and the fact that people are tuning in to one of the smallest markets in the NFL – Kansas City, to watch the Chiefs blow out the Chicago Bears. And it's the highest-watched football game of the weekend. Rihanna in order, Hutton. Rihanna this past year. Katy Perry, 2015. Lady Gaga, 2017. Coldplay, 2016. Bruno Mars, 2014. Madonna in 2012. I'm with you. I think Taylor Swift would blow that away. But they're not even having to pay her or book her, and they still get the benefit of Taylor Swift attending one of their games and driving people – People are going to watch the game regardless, 
but driving a lot more people that otherwise wouldn't be watching. All the demographics we laid out there with women watching the game. Most watched telecasts of the week on any network dominated every female demographic. Chiefs, Bears, and a blowout, largely because Taylor Swift was at the game in a suite. Yeah, and that's why they want the outside the the football demo halftime performer. It's because they're going to pull the non-football fan, even if you're not even interested in watching the Super Bowl, which if you only watch one game, you're watching that game, and it's at a Super Bowl party or something. People tune over just to watch the halftime performance, and that's where the game peaks. You get it at the at the the right moment and with the right performer. I mean, CBS has had the Super Bowl this year. You think they're they absolutely wanted to see Taylor Swift as the oh, halftime for performer? Sure. Absolutely. Now they have Usher. He'll do fine. Yeah, I mean, people are going to watch whoever's doing it, but. It's people not, always tune in. I, mean, I don't think it's going to be in the top five. But then again, I wouldn't think Bruno Mars would be in that top five either. Or Coldplay. But there yeah. they are. Yeah. And uh, where was where was uh, Dre? And uh, Are they even in a – I'm surprised we didn't have that in I'm, the top five. I'm looking it up right now. So, Beyonce's seventh, which surprises me, uh, after Madonna, Black Eyed Peas in 2011 is eighth. And Justin Usher Timberlake. performed on that one. Yeah, Justin Timberlake is ninth in 2018. Shakira and Jennifer Lopez in 2020. People in the YouTube chat are throwing out Michael Jackson in 1994. That one's really, it's one of the most talked about. Uh, the Super Bowl ratings, though, I feel like just get higher and higher every year. Yeah, all, all of these the ones that are, on are here, over 110 million. And they're roughly. all after 2011. Yeah. You see, there's nothing from before that era that even matches. 2011 is the oldest one in the top 10. And that's Black Eyed Peas. Well, from, from the perspective of what could happen, you could still have Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl in Vegas. KC, I mean, they're, yeah. they find a way. You, the, 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 the road to the Super Bowl goes through Arrowhead. And the league finds a and way. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> always finds a way. Patrick Mahomes has yet to play a, a true road playoff game in his career. He's played the neutral site in the Super Bowl. And I guess he could have played a neutral side in Atlanta last year based on how things worked out, but didn't have to. Every well, game has been at home at Arrowhead. Telling you, Hutton, that's all PTS, pre-Taylor Swift. Because now that Taylor Swift's a part of the team, the band is breaking up. It happens to all oh, great teams. So? Yeah, Yoko Romo. Just ask Jessica Simpson and Tony Romo. Spoil the party for the Cowboys. This this may break up the Chiefs also. Chad, uh, what? <laughs> Be on the lookout. What's the Chiefs? Uh, have you? We went through this yesterday. The Chiefs' upcoming schedule. Just man, it. it, it What's well, the Jets it, it, this week? I know. I, that. I know. And then they've got. Uh, <laughs> so they had the they had the Bears. Now they have the Jets. Then they'll play the Vikings. Then they'll host the Broncos. Then they host the Chargers. Then they're on the road in Denver, and then they host the Dolphins on November fifth. That's a great game. But the five games leading up to that, you think T-Swift is breaking up the band? Not yet, but give it time. <laughs> give it time. Just really changes the dynamic. I saw Pat Mahomes waving at her in the suite late in the game also. You got Eli Manning positioning, uh, trying to get uh, Taylor Swift on the Manning cast. Oh, that'd be incredible. I, and, and just the, the, the delivery of Eli, you could hear it when he says, I, I think she would be... Uh, a huge, 
a huge draw. <laughs> I think people Deadpan. would tune in for her. I think they might actually th- – that might be the one that they have better ratings than the actual broadcast is when Taylor Swift is on the Manning cast. And then, see, that's where I think it does benefit Taylor Swift. If you want to do uh, – the perception of her, you know, she can't eat at a restaurant with other people other than her security staff. I think it's hard to – derail Taylor Swift right now in terms of what could actually hurt her based on the tour she just yeah. went on well I know but I mean uh, look it, everybody has their moment and their moment I don't think ends. she can I don't think she's that uh, great I, of a singer and, no but I'm sure there was a time when you know Madonna or Lady Gaga was Taylor Swift for a time and thought you know this may never end but you know that it's fleeting and eventually it will end but I have a hard time knowing what Taylor Swift could do right now to not be Taylor Swift to not be someone who's selling out football stadiums on multiple nights. Yeah. I know. Incredible. No one on earth is doing it. No. I don't know of another artist that can pull that off currently. They could do it once, not three nights in a row, and then do it again three nights in a row. And then they're about to do it in South America too. Coming up, Michael McHenry joins us. The very latest on the MLB playoff race. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Coming up in 20 minutes, NFL overreactions or just spot-on commentary and opinion. We've got that. Hot My With Honey With Row rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We say hello to the fort. Michael McHenry joins us to talk all things Major League Baseball. The Fort McHenry is where you can follow him, the former Major Leaguer and now Major League Analyst. Fort, what's up, man? What's up, guys? How are we doing? It's always good Excellent. to see your face. You know, Same. It's just Same good to, to see Earl's face. It's Same. comforting. Stop. Stop it. There's Same a comforting feeling that comes over me when I see you. Yes. So this is always fun. Feels like home. You know, I've been told it I does. have that reaction yeah. with people. Yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like home. Hey. Uh, very pure. I get a very pure sensation when I see his face. You know what's not comforting is Withrow's comments earlier in the show today where, look, I've been under the assumption that those that follow sports know great play. And I realize there's more than one great player. But Chad <clears throat> saying that we know who's going to win NL MVP and it's going to be Mookie Betts and not Ronald Acuna. How? I mean, he's, <laughs> How? he's, he's going to be the only member ever of the 4070 club of home runs and stolen bases. But Michael, I can see this thing come the Bill Platschke column and people talking about it. They are going to give this thing to the Dodger. They're going to give this thing to Mookie Betts. Not that Mookie Betts has not had an outstanding year, but what we've witnessed Ronald Acuna Jr. doing, we've never seen before in the history of the game. I think that should have some merit in the MVP vote. Yeah, zero times. I think we should remember zero. Zero times has ever been done. And I think they haven't really taken into account what he's actually doing on the base pass. They're using their algorithms and then nerds to really just come up with a solution to say, hey, He's a little bit more valuable than Freddie Freeman. Well, 
let's look at their lineup. How well is Albies doing? How well is that lineup doing? Because they're getting better pitches because he's on the base pass, causing an absolute ruckus. I mean, there is a reality. I do think both guys are in the race, but to say outright it's Mookie right now, outside of MLB just hating Atlanta, proving that a long time ago when they moved the, the All-Star game and also because they just don't like teams that come together like they are that, you know, put together family. You know, they, they want to see that free agency. They want to see turnover. They want to see different teams win. And this team's building a dynasty. And I think it terrifies Manford and MLB. Does the year that Matt Olson's having, does that hurt Ron Acuna Jr. in any way in terms of the, the MVP vote? Because we, we look at this Braves offense, and I know um, Jason Stark had a terrific article at The Athletic breaking down the historic numbers one after the other that's better than the 27 Yankees. That it, it's not just an argument to be made. Mathematically, this is the first team since the 27 Yankees that has been better than that offense top to bottom for an entire season. It is crazy. It feels like that should help Acuna, that he's the best offensive piece on the best offense maybe in the history of the game. But I, I don't know that that's the case. Does, does what Olsen's doing, leading Major League Baseball in home runs, does that in any way deflect or hurt Acuna in the vote? No, because if you look at the wins above replacement, whether you look at uh, fan graphs or baseball reference, one has Freddie Freeman third right behind Acuna, and then the other has, you know, Matt Olson third. So, I mean, if you put it all together, I mean, both teams, you, you could say, hey, these guys are having great years. Atlanta's doing something that's unprecedented, never been done before as a team. And they have some individuals on there that are beating records that have never been touched whether it's a franchise record or an MLB record. And Mookie is moving around the diamond. He's playing second base. He's playing shortstop. He's playing right field. He's doing things that are unprecedented as a guy that's playing almost a utility role and doing it at a way, way above average level. So it's remarkable what's happening. It, it could be the argument that his defense and with Mookie is what puts him over the edge. But, you know, if you look at the division, it's hard to say that the NL East is in a way better division. You're not facing way better pitching on a consistent basis. And that kind of makes me think, hey, Acuna, when you think about his offensive output, is just remarkable. And they're both going to beat the all-time record at the leadoff spot with Charlie Blackman, 103 RBIs. Mookie's already done it. I'm telling you right now, Acuna's going to do it for the end of the year. So you're going to have two guys beat an MLB record also. So it's a wild chase. Maybe they get co-MVP. Yeah, 105, I think, is the number right now mm -hmm. for bets. And Acuna's at 101. So they're both going to pass that 103 mark, you would think. Um, crazy good year for, for both guys. But, yeah, and this oh. isn't us bashing Mookie No, no not at all. I, I just no. I, I think it should be Acuna. And, I, yes, I'm a little bit biased. Uh, I'm not biased on this because I have you know no uh, attachment to the Cincinnati Reds. But what a career for Joey Votto. A guy I've always loved watching play. I love when he speaks. He's a great soundbite as well. Uh, what are you thinking as you watch some of the last moments of his career? Well, I was very fortunate, and I'm very fortunate to be friends with Andrew McCutcheon, seen it in Pittsburgh, because we have a guy just like that. And then watching Votto, playing against Votto, someone I respected, and I think is maybe one of the smartest baseball players on the planet. The guy takes his craft so serious to a level that, you know, most people don't even think about. I mean, he's asking guys at first base when you get on, hey, what's your weightlifting program in the offseason? You know, what's your nutrition like? He's always trying to grow and learn from guys that do things better than him or the fact that he just wants to learn period. And that's really special. I think he's not done. I think you're going to see him again next year. Hopefully in a Reds uniform, it'd be a shame if they don't bring him back, let him go out on top. Cause you know, he started the year injured, had to really fight to get to where he is. I think being healthy going into next year with that young core, 
they're going to be a team that you know is going to take the league by surprise if they can stay healthy. It's also so cool to see a guy, and this is a dying breed, and that's why I yes. hope if he comes back that he's going to be back with the Reds, that is in a small market, a team that doesn't win a ton, and stays there their entire career and becomes a legend in that town. That That's Joey Votto with the Reds. To an extent, you mentioned Andrew McCutcheon. He had to come back to the mm-hmm. Pirates at, at one point, but I love seeing stories like that because most guys are going to take the money from the huge market that can pay them whenever they become available to leave. And that's the one separator for me in baseball to every other sport is you have to build a team. It it will not be one by one player, two players, three players. You can look at the Mets. It won't be one by a $350 million payroll. You have to put together a unit that has one heartbeat. And if you don't, you're not going to win. We can see that right now when you look at the race for the wild card. I mean, there's a lot of bottom scale teams when you think about money and guys like Joey Votto or the separators, guys like, Ramirez in Cleveland that signed for undervalue to stay there because it's his family. He said, what's another $20 million for me. It's a lot for you guys, probably a lot, but for him, it's nothing for comfort, you know, the joy of playing the game and not losing that joy when you're done. And then they end up staying there. That's the coolest part for me. When guys play their entire career somewhere like Todd Helton, he stays there. He goes back there. He pours into those guys. That's special. Don't know if this is going to be uh, Zach Greinke's final start or, or not, uh, but he is on the mound uh, this evening. And uh, because he's, I think he's slated to start the final season, uh, final game of the regular season. Uh, but also Miguel Cabrera, he'll, he'll be facing him, and uh, this is starting off his final homestand. Uh, no big impact on Royals and Tigers here, but it's a pretty cool moment for both players. Yeah, it's two of the better players in the last two decades. I mean, you look at what they've done, and you know how rare it is to play that long in the major leagues. I don't think we're going to see that as often as we have in the past. I mean, we're already seeing guys get hurt more frequently. We're seeing, you know, them protect guys in a different way, especially when it comes to starting pitching. You think about Zach Greinke. I mean, one thing you can say, he's been super reliable. He's been adaptable. When he had the 99-mile-hour fastball, he was really, really good. He had some issues with his anxiety, you know, took a break, came back, and was a different human being, and he's just ran, you know, almost through the league for the last decade. Now he throws 88 miles an hour and still is getting out. He's not having the, as good a year as he did last year. But if he wanted to pitch again, he'll figure out a way because he's a competitor. He loves the game. And honestly, seeing him become a dad, which I never thought would, would happen, has been really cool to see because I didn't know if he was human for a long time. The dude's an alien a little bit. You know, if you just talk to him, he's a space cadet. And that's what makes him so unique. Him, Votto, and Cabrera. They still have the joy of the little kid when they go out, the, out there and play. Michael McHenry, our guest. The the Baltimore Orioles are three wins away for 100 wins on the season. They didn't reach that even when in Kyle Ripken's career uh, with Baltimore. That's also the, the Could three. Could be three combined seasons to reach that, too. Yeah, well, year. that's right. Uh, three three wow. gets them to 100. Three is also their magic number uh, with the tiebreaker over the Rays. And they have six games at Camden Yards and a chance to do that in front of their home crowd, which is really cool for a fan base that deserves it. You know what? I hope that owner wakes up and sees what's right in front of his eyes. I hope they push him I'll, so I'll hard. I hope he stays so asleep far. and doesn't speak. Yeah, and, and start signing these guys to long-term deals, just like the Braves. <laughs> Hibernation. Because you're building, you're yeah, building you're right. something really special, and you have a leader, which I think is really, really special in Rutschman. That guy is special. You know, get that guy, lock him up, make sure he's an Oriole for life because whether he's, you know, a guy that's producing, he's always growing with his teammates. He's making everyone around him better, and that's a special talent. 
Not everybody has that, that service mentality he does. So you got to make sure to lock him in and keep your mouth shut. I got to ask this question for Matty Ice here in studio. How nervous should Matt, our resident Cubs fan, be right now? They play in Atlanta for three games. Then they're two first-place teams. Then in Milwaukee to close out the season. The Marlins are a game back for the last wildcard spot. They play in New York against the Mets and then taking on your Pirates on the road this weekend. How nervous are you if you're a Cubs fan right now? You should just pack it in, in my opinion. Pack it in. Wow. David Ross saying some things he did about the Pirates, saying they're not a team that should be on the field with us. They're not to our caliber. You know, you don't talk like that. You take ownership. You, you run with your team. You don't downgrade another team. And I think, you know, when a leader is doing that, that's putting you in harm's way. That's putting you in a place you shouldn't be in because then the team starts talking like that. So I don't think they're going to win. I think they're going to be pushed out. And I think, you know, Miami has a great chance to kind of bunny hop them. What do you make of Manfred going off on the Oakland mayor? Uh, and this uh, continued back and forth. If, if, earlier this season, it was he's taking a swipe and a jab at Oakland fans. Now he's going back at the mayor yet again. It's it's sickening, to be honest, for me. I mean, just treat the fans with respect. Tell them the truth. And don't call someone else a liar when you're a liar, too. I mean, that's that's a reality that they're both playing politics. They're both trying to win for whatever reason in their in their mind for themselves. And for their caucus, it has nothing to do with what's best for the fans, what's best for MLB. It's what's best for the dollar bill for Manford. It always has been. He's really good at it. He's a very good businessman. He's really grown the MLB. But when it comes to actually communicating with people, communicating with the fans, he's awful. I mean, he really is bad at making sure the right messages put out, the right morals, values, and principles are put out. And he doesn't like pushback at all. And that's not good. You know, if you're at a leadership position, you should be able to take anything that people throw at you and be able to stand firm on the found foundation of your principles, and he doesn't. So I kind of feel the same way about the Tampa Bay Rays as I do the Jacksonville Jags. You know, when the owner's threatening to leave town and they don't get a new stadium for the Jags, I'm thinking, who cares outside of North <laughs> Florida if, if the Jags are anywhere other than Jacksonville? In fact, most are probably happy. And I look in Tampa and I see they're getting a new ballpark in St. Pete, and I think, well, that's great, but does even anyone in the Tampa area care about a new ballpark in, in St. Pete? It's tough to know what exactly that fan base is because they've played in a dump for so long, and even when they're good, it's hard to know uh, the support of that team in that region. What, what do you think about the Tampa Bay Rays staying home, Mike? I mean, I love that they're staying home. I, I want to see the league expand. I don't, I don't want to see them just move city to city. I'd love to see more teams you know, five, six teams in each division would be absolutely outstanding because I think they can handle it. And I think the talent level at the AAA level and across baseball, even internationally, is growing so fast that we can, you know, withstand that. So I think more cities should get teams instead of taking teams away from cities, enhance the product, enhance, you know, the surroundings, enhance the experience. And then I think it's really going to work because Tampa Bay, you know, they've been there for 30 years. There's a lot of moms, dads, sons, daughters that went to those games. Now they're adults. They want to take their kids. And I've heard that over and over again, that there's actually a fan base there that actually roots them on. It's just a terrible experience. Not good seats, you know, not a good place to go to take, you know, the kids where they can go play with all the stuff around the stadium. They do that. I think it's going to end up being really, really good. Because I know you guys wanted to know. Where does the organization that bought a $90 bottle of Camus wine for a recovering alcoholic <laughs> as a farewell so gift, 
The Oakland A's, where do they sit in the wild card standings? The Oakland A's at 48 and 108 on the season are 37 and a half games out of the final wild card spot. I just saw that number looking through the standings, and that really jumped out to me. 37 and a half games back. So you get what you pay for, Mike. <laughs> that's that's true. Top to bottom. And you Absolutely. know, you know they just went up to a suite and just grabbed a bottle of Camus that night, too. And it's oh, you just made it some even business worse. that hasn't yeah. been to a game all year that forgot that they yeah. were paying for a suite. That they just put the Camus in every time. Was, like, oh, take oh, it from that suite. Camus yeah. Vineyard Wait, Suite. Do you think it's even worse? <laughs> Camus like, family. You, you think they went top shelf and he was like, no, 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 no. That's too much. That's too much. And they went back and got the you know, bottle yeah. in the middle shelf. Oh, this $250 yeah. bottle of French yeah. wine? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. There's got to be back. something under 100 bucks laying around here somewhere that we can grab. Yeah. <laughs> Practically anything. So Same cost as a bleacher or a seat. I right do, now I do love that story, though. It's <laughs> great. Lie, I love yeah. that story. <laughs> hey, uh, always love having Michael McHenry on yeah. the Fort. You can follow him on social at the Fort McHenry. Keep up the great work. Great seeing you, and we'll catch up soon. Enjoy uh, the wild card. The, the, here's the race. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Pirates are about week. to wreck the Cubs season, according to, to Mike. So it's about to happen. The Fort called it. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Believe it. See you guys. Thank you. There he goes. Michael McHenry. The Believe fort. in Pittsburgh. One of the best right Believe. there. Coming up, NFL overreaction. After what we've seen in week three, what do we believe? And what are we still waiting on? We're not ready to dive in yet. That's straight ahead on OutKick. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Our thanks to Jim Nagy and Michael McHenry for joining us today. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, you uh, you had an uh, agreement there with McHenry about Acuna. He seems to also believe in the, the media lean towards Mookie. Yeah, I think, um, I think there are going to be... I hate that. I don't hate Mookie by I, any means. I but also think, and I, I don't love this. I just like I, I hate the fact that they're overlooking it based on what Michael's saying. I think Acuna's antics also hurt him with voters. I mean, I I don't care. Now, granted, he's on my team, and I love the guy because he it just mashes constantly and steals bases and is great in the field, and throws people out, does everything. Yeah, I mean, he's not. He is great at everything in baseball, but. You've got the Phillies of the world who have a problem if he takes a little too long to run around the bases when he hits a home run. So I think that's going to factor in too. I hope I'm wrong. Again, he is going to be the only man ever in the 40-70 club, over 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases by the end of the year. I think that should stand for something, an MVP. But we'll see. I I feel like this thing is going to trend towards Mookie Betts winning it. The guy that uh, will – Stare down a homer. You overlook the homer. 
because of the stare down and the celebration. Well, the new what thing he does is he, uh, and, and my daughter has taken to this whenever we practice softball because she loves Acuna. He, fly, he flies around first. He, like, does the, the wings as yeah. he's going to first, as he's passing the, the dugout, which is also <laughs> very funny. Um, and he does, like, this little he, – he stops and does a little sidestep tango before he gets to third. So it's kind of a little shimmy dance and then touches third and rounds and goes home. I love it. I do too. But again, I it's mean, if I if I'm facing the guy and you're on the other team, I'm sure you hate it. Personality, right? Uh, charisma, excitement. Watch one of those games in the Winter League that he plays in Venezuela. I mean, it's like WWE meets baseball. I mean, I, I'm surprised guys don't just fling the bat at the pitcher after they hit the home run. People's the cel- elbow and second. The celebrations are epic. They do the calypso <laughs> around second base. I mean, they're shouting things and they the hit crowd. the music as they hit a home run. I mean, drinks are going in the air on home yeah, runs. There's yeah. fi- it's just crazy <laughs> watching those games in Venezuela with the flair they add to everything. What do we agree with right now based on the storylines off of week three in the National Football League? It is time for NFL overreaction. Guys, teased it earlier in the show, but we're going to start this thing off with Sean Payton. And Sean Payton made a mistake returning to the sidelines. Yes. Yes, yeah, so because of the perception of Sean Payton now versus what he was uh, four weeks ago. Let's just put it that way, four weeks ago. Um, what we saw on Sunday cannot be overstated. This was a D1 Power 5 team, at the let's say top 5 Power 5 team against a Division 3 opponent type final. This was Oregon against Portland State from earlier this year, which the final score there was 81-7, to except that wasn't even enough to give the example because Portland State, who lost 81-7, to then went on to beat North American U <laughs> 91-0. And I would list Portland North State. North American U. North American U lost 91-0 to Portland State, who lost to Oregon 81 81- to seven and the Dolphins putting a 70 spot 70 to 20 the final score over Denver that now is on Sean Payton and no one's naming the head coaches at Portland State or North American U but Sean Payton had another NFL offense post 70 on him and he's supposed to be the offensive savant the fixer for what that Broncos offense is, and this problem is now they've got huge issues on defense, clearly. You would think that a university representing the whole of North America would be better defensively than North American U, yeah. um, but apparently not. It, it, not yet. I'm not going to say it's it's been a mistake yet overall. It's, I don't think it, he's going to handle this well. It's three games in. I, I, I don't either. Like, I, Here's the problem with Sean Payton. He's not going to stop being Sean Payton because his team sucks. So there are people who would totally change course and say, eh, maybe a softer, gentler hand was what this team needs. Maybe let's, let's, give, let's give our quarterback his, his locker back. Let's give him his office back. Let's let him do some of these things. Maybe that'll help. He's not. He's going to double down on being Sean Payton. He's going to double down on what he said this offseason. So can he get guys – to buy in and to change their thinking and their mindset and to coach them better. He's done a pathetic job as well. 
and turn it around that way? Can he double down and turn it around that way? I, I don't know. I don't think the signs are good so far, but I'm not ready to call it just yet. So I, I'm going to say, no, it's not a mistake. But Hutton, if this thing, if we see another 70 spot put up or close to it, four or five weeks from now, I may be changing my tune. Well, and the, the offense is actually better. I mean, they, they the Broncos are 15th in scoring. They're 8th in average yards per play. Russell Wilson isn't the issue, but their defense is just a total disaster. And it's not just the Dolphins as the example. They, they, they gave up 35 points and nearly 400 yards to the Washington Commanders after holding an 18-point lead. I mean, this is uh, after... Saying what they what he said about Hackett and and just going in with it, we're doing the exact opposite approach. It looks more of the same and it looks worse um, when he could have just stayed back, Chad, and had a different pick a year from now. Gruden was the most talked about free agent coach for for a decade, and then once he got back into coaching, uh, they quieted it down because they weren't that great out in Oakland in the move to Las Vegas. Things could have been better. At Mike Mayock as his general manager. But, I mean, that team that they constructed is largely not there because they cut their losses as soon as McDaniels got there. This is not a bad organization either. Like, this should not be a bad organization. Not not historic. New Agreed. ownership. New ownership. And it's also well, an organization that's known for defense, Yeah, too. Pat Bolin was a good owner, right? Mm, yeah. We don't know about the, the Walmart dynasty that's now taking over with Rob Walton. So, it uh, w- remains to be seen how good of an owner... Rob Walton will be, but I'm not ready to go there yet, but there's certainly an argument being made on the field every week by his defense that he, in fact, made a mistake. We're about to find out, though, because their defense faces Chicago. Chicago has been outscored 50, by, not, by 59 points total in their three losses. Okay, guys. Well, a uh, certain coach that started his career in Denver, we're going to go to the flip side of that beatdown on Sunday, but Miami has the best offense that we've seen in the last 20 years. Uh, right now, yes, through three weeks. Um, there have been four teams that have averaged, they finished the season averaging more than 35 points per game. And by the way, they're, they're 0 for 4 in hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, but by far, uh, if you're just going off of what they've done through three weeks, and posting 70 helps. Uh, but this is by far the highest scoring offense that we've seen. And they're shattering records that we haven't seen shattered since... Uh, the 50s and came close to holding all of them on Sunday had they kicked a field goal and had nine more yards of total offense. Should they have kicked that field goal? Uh, to break the record? No. Yep. So, no. we're they, going... They, I mean, they hold the record to everyone that, that is discussing it right now. No Are, one saw the game that... Again, the modern era record is Miami. If we're going back 20 years around about there, I mean, let's let's count the offenses we truly remember in that time. The greatest show on turf... With the Rams. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the 08, maybe, or 07, the Randy Moss, Tom Brady Patriots team that was undefeated until the Super Bowl. That was another that, prolific offense. I'd say Patrick Mahomes, that was the Chiefs team. That was the 18 and 0. Yeah, 2007. They averaged 36 points per game. Patrick Mahomes led Chiefs teams. I'm sure I'm blanking on other great offenses. It, um, so the, I mean, the, this one's right there. The Packers and, and, and honestly, the 2013 Broncos, too. Yeah, uh, with Peyton. Yes. Oh, that's right. He broke some records that so year. So the, the the four teams that have averaged more than thirty five to end the year, 
The 2007 Patriots, 36.8 points per game. The, the Green Bay Packers in 2011 at 35 exactly. The Broncos in 2013 at 37.9. And the Chiefs in 2018, 35.3. All four of those quarterbacks on those offenses won MVP. None of those teams won the Super Bowl. And now the Dolphins at 3-0. They're averaging 43.3 points per game. I'm going to say, yeah, let's let's go ahead. Let's overreact. Three weeks yeah, in. Yeah, I think, I think this is the best offense. Is, it's definitely the fastest of all those yes. teams that we just went through. So I'm, I'm going to say, yeah. All right, guys, we're going to go to the flip side of that offense, and the Bears need to move on from Justin Fields. Yeah, because they don't know how to use him. I mean, I think it's both. I think Justin Fields hasn't helped himself much with his play. And I think the Bears have no idea what they were trading up, trading up, by the way, to draft and what they're doing with them uh, offensively. So I think for both of them, they need to move on. Um, they don't need to move on from Justin Fields. They need to move on from the coaching staff and, and what we're seeing put around him. Uh, and then that, that includes offensively with Luke Getze, who's apparently tight with, but specifically Matt Eberflus. Uh, and bring in an offensive-minded head coach. And just think about how you get the most out of Justin Fields. Um, going into last week against Kansas City, five rush attempts total for Justin Fields. Stupid. Uh, yeah, just uh, it doesn't make sense. Uh, Twenty and Right now, he's at 58% completion percentage for 526 yards total passing. I had 99 yards passing against the Chiefs. But he's top 200 yards passing in these other losses that he's had. But it hasn't been good. And they're forcing him into the pocket. And that's just not his game. And if they're not leaning into what he does best, I don't know why you invest in him long term if you're Chicago. They've done that. But they've invested in him with a defensive-minded head coach and an offensive play caller that is forcing him to throw from the pocket in year three where... He starts out his career in year one with Matt Nagy. He was a dead man walking, and for whatever reason, they brought him back. And then they replace him with Eberflus, who's a first-time head coach and a defensive-minded guy whose defense has allowed 25 or more points in now 13 straight games. That's not how you win with a young quarterback on a rookie contract who has a world of talent because we've seen it firsthand in college. We've seen it firsthand when he tucks and runs. He's more than that. And they've got to get that out of them. They're doing it the wrong way. And it starts with just more than a free agent year with $100 million to spend. All right, guys. Well, from one and up to offense to another, the commander should replace Sam Howe with Jacoby Brissett. Not, I mean, not yet. No, and also. But it will happen. I don't know how much good it does, uh, honestly, uh, with their offense. I, I don't. There's not a real good vibe. I'm going to say no to that, first off. Not they no need to give him more time. No. But, um, I mean, what's Jacoby Brissett going to do? Is he going to stabilize things for this commander's offense? What are the commanders? What What are their goals? Well, Where can they get to this season? I just don't think it's a viable fix what they've got for to what be, they need. You're right. I mean, it's about wins and losses. Um, they have a defense that can win games. They have an offense that came back 18 down and won a game on the road at mile high. They have a backup quarterback that has started in the league, has started a season for Indy whenever Andrew Luck was injured. And now they've got a spot where Eric Bieniemy is the new play caller 
is the sole offensive coordinator, and who knows, maybe the interim by the, by the time this is all said and done. I think eventually we will see Brissett, um, but I do think Rivera is behind the Howell start, and then as long as Rivera's in charge, Sam Howell's the guy. Okay, guys, and then finally, the Cowboys will win the NFC East. No, it's the Eagles. The Eagles have not even put it together yet on offense. They are running the ball better, but that defense, they're 3-0. And I just saw the Cowboys go to Arizona and lay an egg. So the Eagles are undefeated, one of the three teams in the NFL that's still undefeated, having not really put things together yet. So I'm going Eagles to win that division. I think Philly runs it back, too. I do think Dallas is just like they've been the last couple of seasons, though. They're right in it. 12-win caliber type roster. Defense, even without digs, elite. I'm going Philly because they're actually starting to see that dynamic offense turn again. A.J. Brown, nine catches, 131, averaging 15 yards per carry or per catch last night. Four headlines next. <laughs> 